would fill him and anoint him with your spirit. We want to hear your words, God. I pray that you would empower him, help him to speak boldly, not just uh, comfortable words or words that will tickle our ears, but words that come with fire and anointing and power and that have the power to go into our hearts and discern between soul and spirit. And I pray, Lord, you would speak to us through him in a way that will change us, that will change the trajectory of our life. Thank you for what you've been doing in him. I just pray a continued blessing on him as he surrenders to you, that you would just pour yourself into him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. I feel such a tremendous honor and privilege to share with you the word of God this morning. In 1536, William Tyndale translated the Bible into English, and he was strangled and then burned at the stake for doing so. And so not only do I feel privileged, I feel a tremendous weight to be, have the opportunity to share this book with you because of all the sacrifices that were made for me to do this. So I'd love it if I, we could just pray once more before I get started. Jesus, I want you to be lifted up this morning. Glorify your Father this morning. Father, may you be praised this morning. May you be honored this morning. May truth be spoken this morning. Not a soft gospel, but the gospel that you proclaimed. Jesus, I am weak and so I offer myself to you so that you can be strong. May you be worshipped and adored this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I prayed about what God wanted me to share, I looked up and I saw my old EMT notebook, and I felt compelled to open it. And so I did, and I scanned the first page. And at the top of the page, I had written, you are the patient's advocate. And the Holy Spirit was like, that. That. And I was reminded of 1 John 2, 1. It says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, holding his hand and holding ours, bridging the gap that sin caused so that we could have a connection with God. Did you know you were accused? So many of us sit in the voice of the accuser. We are accused daily by Satan, accusing the saints. And I like to imagine as, as Jesus sits on his throne, he leaps off of it. And he says, no, I paid for that. Uh-uh. And the father throws out the case. This case has no grounds. The price has already been paid. And yet you stand in the courtroom still. You're still standing there. Get out! Get out of the courtroom. You feel his voice, his accuse, accusing voice on your life, and yet you stand there even though Jesus paid it all. As I meditated on this, I saw a picture of a courtroom and I saw a door to the left entering into the temple. And God is saying, walk out of the courtroom and walk into the temple. Walk into his presence. You don't belong in the courtroom anymore. 
And as I prayed about this, this word advocate, God said, mm, no, this time I want to advocate. This time I need an advocate because the world has lied to you about what I am like. Everybody is telling you God is like a certain way, either telling you to follow all these laws to get his pleasure or just saying, do whatever you want. And God is saying, no, where is somebody who will tell the people what I'm really like? What is an advocate? An advocate is someone, a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. So what is a particular cause or policy that I am advocating for this morning? Super simple. He is better than what you think he is. He's better. That's all. Well, I think he's pretty good. He's better than pretty good. I think he's the best. He's better than the best. I think every word in this book is true, that he is holy, 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 the most just, the most kind, the most wonderful, the most merciful, the most loving. Is that head knowledge? You believe it to be true? If you just believe it to to be true, I'm saying he's better than that. Because if it's not in your heart, if you've not experienced it in your heart, He is better than you just saying this is true and not knowing it's true. He's better. That's what Jesus came for. He came so it wouldn't just be knowledge of what's right to do. You would be experiencing the law in your heart. You would be experiencing his life in your heart. Jeremiah chapter 31 33 to 34. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother say, know the Lord. (laughs) Come on. For they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. You don't need me to stand up here and tell you about the Lord. You don't need me to tell you he's better because God gave you a covenant so that you could know him for yourself. Teachers are all around the world telling you God is a certain way, that he's only after your money, that he's only after you to follow the law. And God is saying he's better than that. We run after teachers manipulating the church. And you don't need to follow a teacher. You can follow God right here. That's what Jesus did for you. The Hebrew word right here for know the Lord is yada. And it's means to know, to observe and re- by reflecting, and to know by experiencing. See, people will not be saying, know the Lord, because you'll be experiencing Him in your heart. You'll know Him in your heart. Heart knowledge, not head knowledge anymore. 
The first time this word was used was when Noah walked out of the ark and he yadad that the waters had receded because he saw that they went down. It wasn't that somebody came and told him, hey, the waters receded. He walked out and he saw and he yadad that the waters had receded. And this is a covenant that God has offered to you. Will you yada the Lord? Will you know the Lord from an experience and stop just hearing what people are telling you about him? Will you yada him? The world has taught you that God is too loving to tell you what not to do. They've told you he's too kind. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to tell you what not to do. Do whatever you want. What is the cause or policy that I am advocating for today? It's that he's too good to let you do whatever you want. He's too kind to let you do whatever you want. You don't need an angry God to stop you from sinning. Sin will lead you to destruction. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus said, oh, but I have a better way that I want to offer you. It leads to eternal life. The natural end of sin is destruction. The natural end of following God is eternal life. But it takes some dying, it takes some letting go, and it takes some repentance. God is better than a God who just says you can do whatever you want and it will be okay. He offers a better way. And then there's another faction of the church and they say it's all about the law. It's all about rules. As long as you look good and do what's right, you will have God's pleasure. As long as you do the right things, clean the outside of the cup, God will delight in you. And Jesus, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's, he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he takes the law and he puts it on its end. He said, it's not good enough to not commit adultery. You must not look at a woman with lust. It's not good enough to just not murder. You must not hate your brother because that is murder. What's the point is that God is not looking on the outside. He is after hearts. He's after hearts that want what's right. He's searching the hearts of all men. He's roaming around the earth looking at everybody's heart. And the psalmist David says, Search me and know me, God. Know the innermost parts of my heart. Everything about my life, search me and know me. The scary part about that is when you allow God to search your heart, some things will start popping up that don't belong there. And he's not going to let them stay there. I wonder, are you willing to let God search your heart this morning? Do you trust him enough? He's not afraid of your heart. He's not afraid of what's in there. He's not afraid of the wrong stuff is that is in there. He lived with 12 of them for three years. Are you willing to say that prayer? Search me and know me, God. In humility, are you willing to let go of what God is saying? This is destroying you and I want to offer you a better way. 
Do you see the value of your heart? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is giving parables. And he gives this parable. He says, there was a merchant who went into a field and he found a treasure of great value. And when he found it, he buried it again so nobody would find it. And then with joy, he sold all that he had to buy the field and get the treasure. And there's Jesus standing in a field. And what does he find? He finds your heart. And he's like, oh, I want this. This is valuable. Don't let rejection into your life. (laughs) You are wanted by God. Jesus found your heart in the world. And he said, you are valuable. You are so valuable, I'm going to leave my throne in heaven. I'm going to come down humbly as a man. And then I'm going to give up my life. He gave up his throne for a humble life. And then he gave up his life to buy a field, buy the world that contained your heart. Do you see the value of your heart? God gave up everything. He sold all that he had to obtain your heart. Do you find yourself in a field now? You're standing in a field. And suddenly, you find a treasure. His name is Jesus. It's called the kingdom of heaven. What are you willing to let go to obtain the kingdom? Jesus showed you the way first. He's never going to ask you to do something that he wasn't first willing to do. He sold all that he had so he could obtain you. Are you willing to give up what is in your heart when God searches you and he finds those things in your life and he says, get rid of that lust, get rid of that idolatry? Are you willing to let go? Sell it all for the kingdom of heaven. Because God is about more than laws and rules and regulations. He's after your heart. What is your heart saying? Does your heart want justice? Does your heart want truth? What, I'm, what is my policy? What is my cause that I'm advocating for this morning? It is that God is better than a God of rules and regulations. But we have a problem because Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, all of us are found to be guilty. Our hearts aren't righteous. They're wicked. We don't want what's right. What do we do? You lay down it. You lay down your heart. Ezekiel 36, 36 and 27. Again, prophesying about the new covenant. Says, I will give you a new heart. Come on. 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Sometimes we put too much on ourselves when God is saying, would you let me do it? If you lay down your life, I am offering to you this new heart. And so that when you have this new heart and you want truth, you want justice, you're walking in love. And then you fall into sin. There's Jesus, your advocate. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he said, no, no, I, I paid for that. But this heart will not let you continue in sin that grace may abound. He will lead you to conviction and he will lead you to repentance. You will not just be doing whatever you want all the time, no matter what. This is your inheritance. God is better than a God who lets you do whatever you want. He is better than a God who just gives you rules and regulations. He is a God that offers yada knowing him, experiential knowing him. He's a God that offers you this new heart and a spirit to come along with it. This is your inheritance. But you have to walk out of the courtroom. And you have to lay down your life. You have to walk into the temple, into God's very near presence. What are you doing in the courtroom? Get out. You don't belong there anymore. Unless you haven't repented. Is there something you need to repent of this morning? Then do it. His presence is worth it. I want to look at the baptism of Jesus. It's in Matthew 3 or Mark chapter 1. And it says that John the Baptist was in the wilderness all his days until his public appearing. And while he's in the wilderness spending time with God, this is basically an Old Testament prophet. God gives him a message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so it says John suddenly appeared publicly. And he preaches the baptism of repentance. And next thing you know, Jesus makes his first public appearance. And he's walking on the seashore and he comes to John to be baptized. And John sees him and he's like, what? No. It is I who need to be baptized of you. And do you come to me for baptism? Because John recognized that Jesus was far more righteous than he ever was. Do you come to me for baptism? And Jesus says, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. And so John baptizes Jesus and he comes out of the water and the heavens rip open. In the book of Mark, it says the heavens were literally ripped open like the father couldn't even handle it. He just tore open the heavens and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove gently resting on Jesus. And Jesus allowed the father's voice 
to do to define who he was. What? Why is Jesus taking the baptism of repentance? Have you thought about this? Did Jesus need to repent? This was a problem for the early church. It was kind of awkward for them to talk about. Here we're worshiping Jesus. We're saying that he is God. We're saying that he is sinless. And Jesus is taking the baptism of repentance? What? John MacArthur says, this is so crazy that it couldn't have been made up. You wouldn't make this up if you're trying to formulate a religion based on a sinless Savior, and then he goes and takes a baptism of repentance. This is crazy. What does it mean? Well, I think we can let Jesus' words tell us what it meant. Suffer it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. First of all, we need to establish Jesus did not need to repent, though he took this baptism. He was perfect. He was sinless. Hebrews 15.4 says, For if... For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is not repenting of sin. He never sinned. So what is this about? This is essentially saying, God came, gave John a message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody, every man, every woman needs to repent because their hearts are not right. And Jesus hears that and he says, I'm a God, I'm God, rather. I'm sinless, but oh, I'm a man. And he takes the baptism of repentance, being baptized into your story. He identifies with a creation that has fallen, who has turned himself away from God. He identifies into your story. Wow. Jesus identified with you before you ever were baptized into him. He took the baptism that you need to take to say, everybody... I am identifying with this creation. I am a man. God never asks you to do anything that he is not first willing to do. This whole book of the life of Jesus was given so you could follow it. The life of Jesus is meant for you to follow it. And Jesus knew you need to repent. And he said, I'm not going to. Just tell them to do something that I'm not also willing to do. So he identified with you in your sin. He became sin so that we could know God. God is better than than a God who just tells you what to do. He does it. He shows you what to do. And Jesus, to the whole world, said, I am with humanity. I will take this baptism to show I am identifying into your story. He identified with you. Friends, you're not going to get out of death 
Just like you're not going to get out of repentance and baptism if you want this new heart. Jesus also had to die. Did you know you have to die? If you are not, if you do not die with Christ, how will you be raised with Him? He offers you another kind of death. To lay down your life. To give Him the reins of your life. But it takes repentance of going your own way. And Jesus invites you into that. A baptism of repentance. And then to die. So that you could have life. So let's look at some observations from this. Jesus identifies himself into your story. (laughs) Come on. The humility it took for Jesus to say, I am sinless, I am God. And publicly be baptized, what were people thinking? And God looks down, sees the humility of his son, and he can't help himself anymore. Filled with so much joy, filled with so much pride for his son, walking in so much humility, rips the heavens open, and his voice falls on the Savior. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. I wonder how many of you have let his voice fall on you? How many of you have let the Father define who you are? Are you trying to define who you are? Are you trying to please God with what you are doing? Because God is better than that, He's better than a God who waits for you to act and then. To define you, then to speak over to your life. What's another observation? Jesus did this before he started his ministry. Before he ever did a thing, before he ever healed one person, before anybody ever repented, before he saved the world, the Father identifies his Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What are you doing trying to work for the Father's voice? No. You can't do it. You can only receive His pleasure, receive His delight in you. But it will take repentance, humility to let go, to accept His voice over your life, And from that, to do your ministry, to do what God has called you to, to do your life, whatever it is. See, so many people are going about their life trying to please God enough. And they say, oh, if I could just cast out more demons or heal people. If I could just follow the commandments of God, if I could just do enough, then I could get God's pleasure then I could get God's delight over me. 
And you can never work your way into God's delight. You can only receive His delight over you. I wonder, are we humble enough to receive it? Are you humble enough to just say, oh, thank you. God loves me so much. God is so delighted in me. I wonder, are we humble enough to repent? Some seek the Father's voice but aren't willing to repent. God's too good to tell me what not to do. God's too good to not tell you what not to do. He's better than that. He's better than a God who just gives you laws. He's better than a God who tells you what to do, not to do and doesn't show you the way. He showed you baptism. He showed you death. He invites you into it. And he's better than a God who asks you to work and then I'll be delighted in you. He says, oh, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, I'm so pleased with you. Before you ever did a thing. All you did was repent. All you did was repent. I wonder if we could go into a posture this morning of search me and know me, O God. Like David prayed. And you would allow God to put his hand on parts of your life. Would you be willing? And then would you be willing To let his delight wash over you takes humility to do both things. And so many Christians are in both ditches, not realizing God is better than those ditches. He's advocating for you. Are you willing to repent? Well, the story goes on. As soon as Jesus goes out of the water, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And for 40 days, I can just imagine him feasting on the Father's words over him. Feasting on his identity as a son of God. And then the accuser comes to him. And he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. The first thing Satan attacked Jesus with was his sonship. Do you expect it to be any different for you? He's going to attack your sonship. He's going to attack your daughtership. Because that is the power you hold now as sons and daughters of God, resting in God's delight over you. And Satan will come to you and say, are you? Are you a son and daughter of God? If you were a son, why did you do that? If you were a daughter, why did you respond so poorly? And what did Jesus say? Man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes continually out of the mouth of God. Well, what did the mouth of God just say? This is my beloved son. And Jesus said, no, no, I just heard his voice. 
He's still speaking that over me. He's continually speaking my sonship over me. And I'm not living by just bread. I'm living by the identity that God has placed over me. See, so many Christians go into temptation trying to please God. Oh, man. Did you see how I overcame that temptation? Are you pleased with me? It won't be long until you fall, if that's your attitude. But if you come against the accuser, if you come against temptation and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a child of God. Nope. I'm resting in the identity that God has placed over my life. That is your power over sin. To consume, to eat up the words that are continually coming from the mouth of God. That is your power. But you won't have that power if you're not willing to repent. Repent and receive God's voice over your life. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. And from that, you walk into overcoming, to conquer. Satan again came to him and again tried to get him to walk away from his sonship. It didn't work. I wonder if this morning, if you are ready to receive the Father's voice over your life. Are you ready to receive his delight over you? Is there something in your heart that has been pricked that you know you have to let go of? Don't do one without the other. It leads you into one ditch or the other. Repentance And then delight. That is your inheritance. He is better than what you thought he was. He's better than what I think he is. He's better than the knowledge of this book. You have to experience him. You have to yada him. Would you pray? Search me and know me, God. Reveal the hidden thoughts and intentions of my heart. And repent of whatever it is that God highlights. And you, I want you to hear this. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Would you then walk in that? Walk in the Father's voice, identifying who you are. Love you guys.